on TV, online and on your smartphone. This is Ticker News. Hi there, NATO has its problems and Donald Trump says it's obsolete. So why does everyone still want to join? And can Europe really stick together and stand up to the Russians? I'm Aaron Young, let's find out. Now from our headquarters at Ticker Park, this is Ticker Today. Hello and welcome. Just a few years ago, Donald Trump said NATO cost way too much money. But now the US president is back in the center of things, right in the middle of Europe. Joe Biden first headed to London, then participating in the NATO summit as well. NATO welcoming a new member, that's Finland. And Sweden looks set to join too, thanks to Turkey. Ukraine wants to be in the alliance, but Joe Biden says, nope, not yet. Russia says that would be a step too far. So why does everyone want to join NATO? Despite what Donald Trump said, his comments were they doing the bidding of Vladimir Putin or was he right? Does NATO now face just causing more trouble in Europe rather than fixing things? To find out, let's bring in global futurist Dr. Keith Suter. Great to have you with us. What's your view on NATO? I think NATO is now entering a third stage in its existence. So the North Atlantic Treaty Organization was formed right after the end of World War II, the beginning of the Cold War. And the purpose was to keep the Russians out, the Americans in, and the Germans down. In other words, you keep the, the Russians from invading Western Europe, you keep the Americans engaged in Western Europe so they don't go back to being isolationist, and you keep control of the Germans to make sure they don't start World War Three. And that was successful. In 1991, the Soviet Union collapsed. Germany had been reinvented. It's uh, much more peaceful. Um, and America remained involved in world affairs. So it could easily have been wound up at that point. However, instead, it continued to linger along. And this is the second stage of its existence, looking really for a role now that the old Cold War had ended. Um, and, and only a few years ago, President Macron said that NATO was brain dead. Then you had President Trump coming along with his comments suggesting that NATO's best days were behind it. And then we're on to a third era with the Russian invasion of Ukraine on February the 24th last year. Suddenly, NATO finds a new reason to, to exist and to oppose the Russian uh, actions in Ukraine. And, and therefore, countries are now joining uh, NATO once again. So it's having a fresh lease of life, thanks to Putin. So two traditionally neutral countries, uh, Finland and Sweden, um, have both applied to join. Finland has got a very long common border with Russia. It's a great asset to NATO. It's got a very good trained um, armed force. Sweden um, had been blocked for a while uh, because of domestic politics between Sweden and Turkey. But in the last few hours, it looks as though Turkey has been bribed into agreeing to allow Sweden to come in. The Swedes are changing their attitude towards some asylum seekers coming in from Turkish territory. And I think they're going to get more, the Turks are going to get weapons from the United States. So suddenly Turkey has come on board. So we assume therefore that Sweden will also join as well. So NATO is now beginning to expand once again. So, yeah, interesting about Turkey, because Erdogan tried to link uh, Ukraine and the others and Sweden and everything to uh, Turkey being able to join the European Union. The German Chancellor very quickly saying, no, 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 these are very two different things. You can't try and link them together. Turkey, a bit like India, likes to play both sides, right? It's close to the West, Absolutely. but also doesn't mind dinner with Putin. 
No, and of course they they to give the Turkish people their credit, the government their credit, they did negotiate this deal whereby some Ukrainian foodstuff can exit Ukraine to go to help the international market. So full marks to Turkey as a mediator between Ukraine and Russia. Um, now the the Turkish issue of entering the common market, the European Union, I was involved in the late 90s, in the early years of the 2000s, we're trying to get Turkey into the European Union. Uh, there were a couple of problems. One is that um, the French and the Germans in particular said, we've got enough Muslims already. We don't want to take in 80 million Muslims from Turkey. That was the first one. And then at the same time, President Erdogan, when he became the leader, uh, said that Turkey will focus more on the Middle East rather than Europe. And so he had years of, of estrangement, really, from the European Union. So I've been quite surprised the way in which President Erdogan is now saying, well, we wouldn't mind joining the European Union. Um, yeah. That's not what he was saying 20 years ago, but obviously he's had a, <laughs> a change of mind. The European Union is growing well, so he wants to join it. It is funny how things change there. Um, let's talk about, though, the Trumpification of NATO, right? So what didn't he like about it? He said that European countries needed to pay their way, stop relying on the United States. Since what happened last year in Ukraine, that has happened. The European nations, uh, even Germany, now increasing their GDP spend or spend per GDP uh, on military as well. Exactly what Trump wanted to see. The world has changed since Trump was in power. And he's got Vladimir Putin, the guy that many thought had helped Trump to get into power power to thank for that, right? This is the irony of the situation that Putin has actually led to this revival of NATO. As I say, President Macron said that he was brain dead a few years ago. He wouldn't say that now because he can see the value of having a strong NATO standing up to Russia. So yes, Putin's campaign in Ukraine has backfired in a number of ways, including leading to the expansion of uh, NATO and the relevance of NATO once again on the international scene. And of course, what is also interesting is that NATO North Atlantic Treaty Organization is also looking to build up links in the Asia Pacific area with countries like Japan, South Korea, and Australia. So NATO is actually expanding its geographical range of application. So yes, NATO is undergo, as I say, this third stage represents a new lease of life for NATO. We'll talk a bit about more that the the expansion into the Asian region because there have been some interesting views. We'll talk about that a little later in the program. But talk to us about NATO versus Putin. What is Putin's problem exactly with NATO? Because NATO says it's a defensive pact. It's not a pact that's going to invade a country like Putin has done with Ukraine. Yeah, so the problem for Russia, and this has got nothing to do with Putin, it's deep into the Russian DNA, it's, it's gone on for centuries. If you look at the geography of Europe, you basically can walk from Germany into Russia. It's a fairly flat area all the way through in, into Russia. So the Russians have, over the centuries, sought to have a barrier of some sort in uh, what we call Europe, uh, so they're trying to get to Russia would need to go through, say, so Poland, Ukraine, etc. Um, and so at the end of World War II, the Soviet Union had recreated that buffer with countries like Poland, uh, East Germany, etc. In 1991, the Soviet Union collapsed, and that meant that all those countries, which had been the safety barrier, then suddenly became independent. And so the Russians feel very vulnerable both about their rear end 
which hardly any Russians live out in Siberia or the Russian Far East, huge resources, immense wealth, but hardly anybody there. Whereas the mm. Chinese could just walk mm. over the border, so to speak, which is so and take funny. over. Yeah, that I've world. heard you talk about that before. While Putin's so worried about what happens over uh, to, towards the west, the southeast of him is a country with over a billion people with shrinking borders, with land concerns, looking up to Siberia and Eastern Russia going, you beauty. And I would imagine that would be pretty easy to do. Well, now you're beginning to understand the Russian paranoia. It didn't start with, with Putin. So at the end of the Cold War in 1990, 1991, um, as um, the Cold War was ending, the um, Soviet leader at the time, Mikhail negotiated with senior for the ending of the Allied occupation of Germany. So if you cast your mind back to 1945, the British, the French and the Americans, they got to control what later became West Germany. The Russians got control of East Germany. And so with the ending of the Cold War, there was a move to reunite those two parts of Germany, which would mean that the Russians would need to withdraw. And the Americans said, and we've now got the, the documentary material in the archives, the Americans said, if the Russians pull out of Eastern Europe, we NATO will not move one inch to the east. And on that, but Gorbachev failed to get it in writing. But we do have the, we have the notes of the diplomats meeting. Wow. Now, so what happened is that George Bush Sr. honoured that promise. So um, NATO did not move east. And then in the late 1990s with Bill Clinton, it, with all sorts of domestic issues boiling away, mm. Clinton said NATO should move east. And that, and that was then where we ended up. We're, we got a, we're just going to take a quick break. Sorry, Keith. When we come back, we're actually going to talk about NATO going even further east. Do stay with us. <laughs> 